0: We've been in a series for the last few weeks. We've been talking about the miracles of Jesus and what they mean to us today. You know, uh, we need to talk about the miracles of Jesus because when we read our Bible, and we we do read our Bible, don't we? Yes, praise God, we do. Uh, When we read our Bible, and especially when we read in the New Testament and and, and the Gospels, we read about the great miracles that Jesus did. And, And what I'm trying to do over these last few weeks is I'm trying to remind you that the great miracles that Jesus did in his day Still doing today. Amen? There's no expiry date on Jesus' miracles. Amen? Unfortunately, there's a bunch of Christians out there that will tell you that, you know, the miracles died out with the last apostles, that, that, you know, we don't see those miracles today because, you know, they were only for the time and date. That's not true, amen? Anybody that would ever have put an expired milk into their tea will realize that milk spoils, yeah? You know, when you've made a lovely cup of tea, you've boiled the kettle, you've, you've used your tea bag, and, and then you pour the milk in and a lump comes in. Ever happened to anybody? Isn't that terrible? Horrible. I mean, it just ruins your day. Tea is ruined. Milk spoils. Amen? Meat spoils. Vegetables spoil. That, that, that's their in things. They just spoil. They have an expiry date. They, they, they spoil. To say that the miracles that Jesus performed... Have passed away is to say that God wasn't strong enough or good enough to be able to make his miracles last and preserve, amen, even into today. I don't fully understand why people believe that the miracles of God have passed away in Jesus' day. Well, I, I kind of do, but I, I don't fully understand why people would believe that because, you know, I know their Bibles are the same as my Bible, amen. And they have the very same things in their Bible as I have in my Bible. And in my Bible, John 14, 12 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, Jesus said, the works that I will do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. That's in your Bible. That's in their Bible. Amen? Contemporary English version puts it this way. It says, I tell you for certain, Jesus said, if you have faith in me, you will do the same things that I am doing. You will do even greater things now that I'm going back to my father. Jesus, when he addressed his followers, he said, that if you have faith in him, not only will you do the things that he was doing, but you will do even greater things. Amen? Even greater things. Even greater things than we read about in the word of God should we still be expecting today as followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? That's why we're doing this series. Far from our expectations in God being reduced today, our expectations of our God should be increased today. We should have a greater expectation on our God. And what we're doing is I want to remind you of the things that Jesus did in his day, he still can do in our day. Amen? Week one we talked about Jesus healing a man with leprosy. And last week, we talked about Jesus healing and forgiving the paralyzed man that was laid down through the hole in the roof and dropped in front of him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Showing us that not only is God able to heal, but the greatest miracle that God is able to perform is the forgiveness of our sins. Amen? So today, I want to look at another miracle of Jesus that was performed over in John chapter 6. And we're going to look at the story of God's miraculous provision. This story is probably the best-known, or one of the best-known stories that we have in the Word of God of, of Jesus' miracles. It's the miracle of the loaves of fishes, or the feeding of the 5,000. It's, it's taught every week in, in, in kids' classes all over the world, and it's been done for years, and, and we're teaching it this morning in our kids' class talking about how Jesus managed to feed 5,000 people with a few loaves and a few fish. You know, there's two miracles in the Word of God that are recorded in each of the four Gospels. This one, and what's the other one? Anybody tell me? The other miracle recorded in all four Gospels? It's the resurrection. I won't, I won't put you under pressure this morning. I won't embarrass you, amen? Let's turn to John chapter 6 this morning. Let's have a look over there in chapter 1. And it says there in, cha- in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw the signs that he performed on those who were diseased. It says a great multitude followed him because of the signs they saw. You know, people follow signs and wonders. Amen? They follow that kind of stuff. You know, Jesus in his day, he had the greatest amount of followers in his day. I mean, if Jesus was today and he was on YouTube or something like that, he'd have more followers than Mr. Beast. He'd have more followers than anybody on YouTube or TikTok. I mean, that's that's the that's the way it is. He had followers. Everywhere Jesus went, people followed him. They followed him because they saw the amazing signs and wonders that he was doing. They saw him healing people. They saw him uh, opening blind eyes, raising the dead. They, people follow Jesus because of that. And just like in the world today, if a, a YouTube creator stops making content or starts making bad content, they lose followers. Jesus never lost followers, amen? Amen? People were following Jesus. They kept following him, amen? Amen? Because of the amazing things that he was doing. Verse 3 says, And Jesus went up onto the mountain and he sat there with his disciples. He probably just needed a rest. Verse 4 says, Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But he said this to him to test him, for he already knew what he would do. Have you seen the compassion there in Jesus? Amen? He had just come back over from the other side of the lake, and as he came back over there, a whole bunch of people, a multitude of people started to follow him. And and Jesus, when he seen this multitude of people coming towards him, he had compassion on him. His heart, we would say today, his heart went out to them. He saw their needs. He saw their lacks. He saw their hurts and pains and their sicknesses and disease. He had compassion on them. And the first thing he thought to do is he said, You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to feed them. And he said to Philip, He said, Philip, where are we going to buy enough bread to be able to fill, feed these people? But he didn't say that to Philip for Philip to to go. He just said it just to see what way Philip would answer him because he already knew what he was going to do. Isn't that great? In every circumstance, in every situation that we ever come up against, God already knows how he's going to answer it. Amen. Amen. There's not one thing that you can come up against in your life that God is going around scratching his head or going looking through his library of books to see if he can find an answer. Or going on to Google. I'll tell you what I'll do, I'll Google see if, what sort of answers that will give me. And anyone that's ever went to Google for, to type in a question to look for an answer, you'll find there's millions of answers. But there's only one right answer, amen? Amen? Jesus already knew what he was going to do. All he was doing there is he was looking for an opportunity to give Philip the opportunity for him to get on board with what he was going to do. Amen? And in every circumstance, in every situation we come up against in life, God is just looking for an opportunity to include us in the answer. Amen? That's all. He just wants to include us in the answer. Gives us an opportunity to get on board. Philip said, verse 7, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for every one of them them, them to have a little. 200 denarii worth, Philip said. Now, 200 denarii to me, you, I mean, that means nothing. What's that? 200 denarii? Well, here it is. One denarii was considered the work or the the pay that a farm worker received for one day. Okay, we put that into modern context, okay? We can just say, for for argument's sake, 100 euros would be the average pay that a farm worker or a laborer would get for a day's work today. So 200 denarii's worth would be 200 days' pay. 200 by 100 is 20,000 euros. So what basically Jesus was, Jesus was, or, or Philip was saying, that 20,000 euros would not be enough to be able to buy enough food even for everyone to have a little. That's a lot of money, amen. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Two twenty thousand euros wouldn't be sufficient enough for all of them to have. Just a little. But you know what the crazy thing about this whole uh, um, thing that you're reading there, the crazy thing about it is, is that when God asks us a question, we come back with a euros, a dollars, or pound answer. When God asks us a question, you know, you know Philip, how are we going to feed these people? Philip comes back and said, you know what? 20,000 euros wouldn't be enough to feed these people. And I think a lot of times when God asks us a question, we come back with a, a, a valuation. We come back with a, we work it out ourselves. I wonder, you know, what's it going to cost for me to do what God has asked me to do? Amen? Yeah. And You know, God, the creator of the universe, he asks us a question about our situation, and our response to him is a valuation on us. Amen. Isn't that totally silly? It's so silly. When God asks Philip and when he asks us, we don't need to come back with a a Euro valuation on it because God, the creator of the universe, the guy who owns everything, the the word of God says the silver and the gold are his. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. So when God asks us to do something, we shouldn't put a valuation on it. We should just say, well, God, you're asking me to do it. You've already worked it out how you're going to do it. Because that's what the Word of God said here. He said that he asked Philip this to test him because he already knew what he was going to do. So Philip should have just said, I don't know, Lord, but you know. Do your thing. I trust you. Do your thing. Amen? Amen. Verse 8 says, One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? ever think to yourself why did Andrew even bother bringing this lad with his five loaves and two fish to Jesus when he'd already decided in his mind that that wasn't enough because when he went to Jesus he said I have a lad here he's five barley loaves and two fish but and then he followed if he'd have just said that that'd have been fine leave it so sometimes we say too much don't we why did Philip even bother saying that? He should have just said, I've allowed here five barley loaves and two fish. There you go, Jesus. But he had to follow it up with, you know, that's not enough. What, what is five barley loaves and two fish among so many people? Church, never limit God by your own limitations. Amen? Andrew's limitations were, there are only five loaves and two fish, Jesus. That's not enough. Sometimes we go to God and say, God, I've only got X, Y, and Z. That's not enough. Lord, I'm not able to do anything else. This is as much as I'm able to do, Lord, and what I can do is not enough. Church, never limit what God can do in your life based on your own finances or your own abilities. Amen? Just give what you have to God and allow him to do the rest. Amen? Jesus said in verse 10, Make the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down in numbers of about 5,000. That's a crowd, eh, amen? 5,000 men, not to mention the women and children. Now, some people say, well, maybe there weren't women and children there. There was. Matthew, remember I told you? Four Gospels, all four Gospels give the same account of this story. In Matthew, in his account of the story, he said in verse 21 of chapter 14, he said, now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. That's a big crowd. 5,000 men. Now we're saying that maybe only half of the men brought their women with them. That's another 2,500. We're saying that maybe another 2,500 kids, there could have been at least 10,000 people there that day. Maybe more. Maybe that's a conservative number. But there could have been 10,000 people. And they only had five small loaves and a couple of fish. Absolutely, totally and utterly useless and insufficient in Andrew's or Peter's hands for so many people. But Verse 11 says, Jesus took the loaves. Church, whatever you need in your life, always put it back in Jesus' hands. Amen. Whatever resource that you have, put it in Jesus' hands. Because what I have and what you have is not enough. It's never going to be enough. But if we take what we have and put it in Jesus' hands, we'll have an abundance. Amen? So, that, so Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of all the fish as much as they wanted. God put these loaves and fish, he, he gave thanks for them. And church, no matter how much or how little you have, you should always give thanks for it. I think a lot of times, you know, what we look at what we have and we say, that's not enough. And we say, I need more. But we forget in our, in our search for more, we forget to give thanks for what we have. Amen? Because I can guarantee you, as little as you think you have, you have more than most. Amen? Always give thanks for what you have. No matter whether it's not enough or whether it's more than enough, always give thanks to what, for what you have. First thing Jesus did, even with that little, He said, God, I give you thanks for what little we have. And it's that attitude of gratitude, amen, in our lives. It's what's the bigger blessing in our lives nearly than what we have, amen. It's an attitude of gratitude. Verse 12, so when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and they filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the Five barley loaves, which were left over from those who had eaten. Then those men who had seen the sign that Jesus did said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Isn't that such an amazing miracle? And we've read that story. I'm sure every one of you has read that story time and time again. But what can we learn from this story? What can we learn from this young lad's encounter with Jesus? Well, the first thing I want you to see from this encounter is that the young lad was following Jesus and he may have only been the only person in his family to follow Jesus. And if that's the case, that's okay. If you're the only person in your family that's following Jesus, that's all right. That's not a problem. Amen? See, I'm sure that if he was with his family, it wouldn't have been him that would have been bringing up the offering to Andrew. Amen? It would have been his father. Or his mother or someone like that would have came and and given the offering. So this young man was following Jesus on his own. And the morning before he left to follow Jesus, he brought with him his packed lunch. Because he had no idea when he was going to be home or how far he was going to have to travel to find Jesus. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do? Every time we as a family, if we were to go to Glendalock for a day out or if we were to go to the hook for a day out, we always bring our lunch we bring a picnic with us. we bring the flask. And when we're down there, and when we get hungry, we eat. Everywhere we go, if we're going far away, we'll bring some food with us. Back in 96, all those years ago, the year Emma was born, was the last year that we won the All-Ireland. And we went to every game as a family. Angela and I and my parents went to every game. So we traveled to Dublin three or four times across that summer just to watch them play. And at the end of every game, we came back out into that big car park outside of Crow Park and we opened up the boot and we took out the sandwiches and we took out the flask because that's what you do. Amen? You have your, your picnic after the game. Winners and losers, everybody there opened up their boots and had their picnic because that's what you do. A few years ago, funny one, we went to, uh, this is about five or six years ago, we went to Barcelona for about three or four days during the summer. And our flight was early in the morning. So what I did is I got up about 2 o'clock because we left the house about 3. And I made sandwiches to bring with us because I knew we were going to be arriving in Barcelona early because I think the flight was at 6 or half 6. So when we got there and we got on the train to go into the city, we, we took out our picnic. And we ate it on the train. Because that's what you do. Amen. So here we have the lad following Jesus, him along with 5,000 other men, another 5,000 women and children probably. They find themselves a long way from home and it's dinner time. And there's no centrist. And there's no spars. For them to go in and get a packet of crisps and a can of Coke and a Mars bar even, or maybe a breakfast roll, or maybe even a chicken roll. There's none of them there. None of them in Jesus' time. So they found themselves a long way away from home and they had no Food. But if you stick close to Jesus, how many people know he's always got a solution. Amen? Amen. If we stick close to Jesus, he's always got a solution. And this lad that was following Jesus, he wasn't following Jesus at a distance. He stuck close to Jesus. Amen? How do we know that? Because he overheard the conversation where Jesus was asking Philip, Where are they going to get food? So he overheard this conversation. Amen? Now he finds himself in a very sticky situation now. Put yourself in this lad's situation. He finds himself in a very sticky situation. He knows that there's a crowd there, about 10,000 people, and he's heard Jesus talking to Philip saying, listen, I want to feed these people. Where are we going to get food? So he knows there's no food. Now, just put yourself in his boots. He's standing there. Here's this conversation. And he's a little bit of a packed lunch with him, or on his backpack. He has five loaves, and he has a couple of fish. And he's surrounded by people who are hungry. So he's, he's, he's got an option now. What does he do? What would you do? What do the others do? Oh, well, there's something we never asked a question about, did we? What do the others do? Because I guarantee you, among those five to 10,000 people that day, he wasn't the only one with a pack lunch. Guarantee you. Because the word of God says there was mammies there. You seen that, you there was women and children there. So there was mammies there. How many people know that when mammies go for a day out, that they don't go empty-handed? Amen? Amen. Mammies never leave the house for a day out without bringing the essentials with them amen snacks how many mammies have snacks in their bags plasters you have to have plasters if you have kids you have to have plasters and vaseline definitely have to have vaseline and maybe some pseudo cream and definitely a little bag in there full of all the meds that you might need there was women in that crowd that day who had children with them They had food. Amen? So this lad wasn't the only one with food, but what did the rest of them do? Ate it. Ate their food. I worked with a lad, right? Who uh, This is a Wexford saying, okay? What was said about him, he was... Right, okay. if, if If he was among five of us, right, and he had chewing gum with him, He'd eat his tongue on like this. Flick it into his mouth. Really, you know, you wouldn't even see him doing it unless you're really watching him. He'd take it out of his pocket and he'd just slip it into his mouth like that. We used to say, this is a Wexford saying, we used to say that he'd peel an orange in his pocket. All right? Anyone ever heard that one before? He was that mean that he'd peel an orange in his pocket. So I guarantee you this day, that there was thousands of people in that crowd that day that had food. And instead of giving what they had to Jesus, they ate it. Turned her back on them and, you know, tried to chew without opening their mouths. Guarantee you. Amen? Church, our blessing comes when we make what we have available to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Our blessing comes when we take of what we have and we make it available to Jesus. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. So I'm telling you, among that crowd that day, that 5,000 people There was plenty of packets of crisps. There was plenty of Mars bars. There was plenty of other fish. There was plenty of other loaves there. But people kept them to themselves. So what am I saying? Don't eat your own lunch knowing that God has need for it. Amen? And you might think to yourself, what I have wouldn't make any difference. And you know what? That's what the lad could have said. He could have said, what I have will make no difference. But he gave it to Jesus. Amen? He didn't hold anything back. Amen? So many of us could have been tempted to say that, I'm just going to eat this because this is not going to fill the hole of anybody else's tooth. Amen? And you know what? Sure, look at I'll eat what I want myself and sure, whatever I have left over, I give that to Jesus. I give what I have left over to Jesus. Church, never give your leftovers to Jesus. Amen? He never gives us his leftovers. And we wouldn't expect it. We always expect when we go to God that God will give us our best. When we pray, when we ask God to intervene in our lives, we always say, we ask God for his best. If God said, you know, hold on a minute there now until I just do this and finish this and, and whatever I have left over I'll give you. That's not the way God operates with us and we shouldn't operate that way with God. Amen? Never give God your leftovers. Give God your best. Amen? This young lad, he was hungry too, you know. He was hungry as well. it said that they were hungry, you know. This young lad was hungry too. But he decided, even in his hunger, he said, I give what I have to Jesus. Even in our lack, we need to be prepared to give what we have to Jesus. Amen? And give it without conditions. This young lad didn't say to Jesus, you know what? You can have my five loaves and my few fish, you know, as long as you give me some back first. He didn't say that. He gave it without condition. Church, we need to give without condition. And we need to give it other-minded. Amen? This young lad saw the big crowd, and he said, you know what? They're hungry. I have something small here. If what I have will bless them, then I'm going to give it. And we need to do that, amen? That's the way we need. Without conditions, give what we have to God. He said to Jesus, I give you all of my provision, everything that I have. Do with it what you need to do. And that's what we need to learn. We need to learn to give to God unconditionally. Not just when we can or when we have a need. We need to give to God even when we are in need and even when we feel like we can't, amen? We have to learn not to give out of our abundance, but even to give out of our lack. Amen? Give it to God. Whatever God wants or requests of us, we've got to give it to Him. Amen? Because the shoe will be on the other foot. We'll be going to God sometime and saying, Lord, I need you to come true for me. I need you to provide for me. I need you to take care of this need. Don't just give when you feel that you can. Give. Amen? This young lad, he was concerned about the needs of the others. He could see, that that, that, he could see that, that that they didn't have enough to feed those 5,000 people. They were hungry. The Word of God says that, that Jesus wanted to feed them unless that when he dismissed them that they faint on the way home, that they collapse from hunger. He wanted to feed them. This young lad, he, 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 he was concerned about the needs of others, and, and we need to be too. We need to be concerned about the needs of others. We need to be concerned about the needs of the people in our community. We need to be concerned about those people that we're in relationships with. Amen? We are are, are here in church today, and we are, are surrounded by people in need. Spiritual need and, and in need. We're surrounded by people in need. And God wants us to be generous towards those people. Amen? Don't just say, you know what, I'm going to take care of me and my family and everybody else can take care of themselves. We need to be other people minded, amen? We need not to hold back from giving to God. We we need to be people who give. And even let what little we have, let that bless people, amen? Don't let the enemy fool you into thinking that I have nothing to give or what I have to give is not enough. We have to have a heart concerned about what's going on around us. Amen? Concerned about the spread of the Word of God in our time. And don't ever think that as little as I have, I haven't got enough. Five loaves. I mean, there were probably five little small rolls. Two fish. Obviously, the young lad, when he left his house that day, that's what he felt that he'd need to be able to sustain him for the day. So he had enough food to sustain one person for the day. But yet he gave what he knew was only good enough for one person because he was concerned about the needs of the 5 or 10,000 people that were there. Don't ever think that we haven't got enough to give. Amen. We do. We do. We do. We absolutely do. We have enough to give. Verse 11 says, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to his disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise the fish as much as they wanted. As much as they wanted. God can take as little as we have and make and stretch it to be able to take care of the needs of those whom He needs to take care of. Amen. I don't know whether I I, I don't know whether I'm explaining this as well as I'm thinking it. But I know that every one of us has been in a situation where we said, what I have is not enough. I've only got enough to take care of the things that I need to take care of. You don't understand the needs I have. God does. Amen. When that young lad came to Jesus, God could. Jesus looked at him and he saw a young boy's lunch. He knew that all he had was enough for him. So God knows your lack. He knows your needs. But the only way God can bless you and bless others is by us laying out what we have to Him. Jesus didn't say to that young lad, He didn't say, you know what? Thank you, son, for the offer, but it's just not enough. God will never say that to you when you bring your offering to God. He'll never say Thank you for your offering, but you know what? It's just not sufficient. Never think that you don't have enough to give. God wants us to get in on what God is going to do. See what God could do with those five loaves. Five little rolls and a couple of fish. He fed thousands. Amen? You see, God is not bound by our economic system. See, we're driven by this economic system, aren't we? Inflation and all that sort of stuff. I guarantee you, if you take out a, a receipt from your, from your uh, purse or whatever, and from six months ago and compared to today, guarantee you the same items probably cost you 10 euros, 15 euros more. That's inflation. That's what we're seeing at the moment. Food prices are going up, fuel prices are going up, everything is going up. But when God looks at the world's system, he doesn't see inflation. Amen? He doesn't see that, you know what, it's okay. You know, you need to keep what you have. Because that young boy was hungry too. Amen? So we can't just keep for ourselves what we think that we need to keep us going for today. We need to be generous with God. We need to say, listen, Lord, I don't have a whole lot, but what I do have, I'm giving it to you. And watch to see what God can do with the little that we have. Amen? Don't eat your lunch when you know that God has need of it. Amen? Let me just wrap this up. It talks about at the end of it, I'm not going to read it again. It says where they gathered up 12 baskets full of the fragments of the barley loaves that were left over. Now, we don't know what they were for. The 12 baskets, some people have suggested maybe the 12 baskets were one for each of the disciples. I'm kind of thinking that maybe not. Maybe not. And it doesn't say. It says they gathered up 12 baskets. I'm more thinking that we serve a God who is no man's debtor. I'm kind of thinking that they were for the lad. Makes more sense. He was the one that gave it. This multiplication came from his giving. I want to tell you this morning that if we gave what we have back to God, Allow God to use what we have. Make available our resources to God. God is not in the business of taking from you. I can guarantee you that if we give what we have to God, God will perform a miracle on our five loaves, on our two fishes. And when we give to God, God will never have us in lack. He will always take care of us. And that is the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. Amen?